Can you make a big game without many pieces? My name's Jonathan, and this is the Snakes Cast, the podcast for people who don't know as much about board games as they'd like to know. This week, we're shining the game spotlight on a very minimalist piece of game design about a very expansive subject. And we've got Ignacy Trevicek once again here to help us to understand how it works. Welcome back to the Snakes Cast, and welcome back once again to our very special guest, game designer Ignacy Trevicek. Thank you so much for coming back on the show. Thank you for having me again. Thank you. Uh, you've designed some games that would seem very complex to most of our guests at Snakes and Lattes, games like Stronghold, Imperial Settlers, and the wonderful Robinson Crusoe. But today we're talking about a game called Tides of Time, which consists of exactly 18 cards and nothing else. How did you come to be involved in the creation of such a minimalist game? So this is the game that was created by a very young designer, Christian Carla, who sent us to Portal Games uh, submission. It was submitted prototype. He sent us the files. We just printed them because, as you mentioned, it's only 18 cards. So it was very simple to just print the prototype. We played it, and in, in, at this very moment, after the first game, I look at my in the eyes of my employee and said, "Okay, this is this is huge. We contact this game immediately." And uh, yes, and then of course we played many many times. I took the prototype this very same day. I took the prototype to the home to show it to my wife because I was so excited. And then we contacted the designer. We set up a meeting in Essen, and we signed a contract. And it was, it was from it was, it was like a blast. It was just, it came from nowhere. It was just sent to us and it was amazing design. 18 cards, um, super stuff. Well, it's actually based on one of the biggest, most complex subjects you can try to cover with a game design, civilization building. Uh, we did an episode about civilization building, uh, back in season one of the Snakes cast. This is, this is a complicated genre game. Have you played many of these sorts of games? Like, uh, I'm a huge fan of video games of that type. Of course, in my mm-hmm. high school times, of course, I played civilization as, as, as many of us. And uh, now on board games, I don't have enough time to putting all these pieces of these huge civilization g- games like today just is like four hours of time. No longer I have time for that. But so I miss, <laughs> miss this feeling, but no, I cannot afford this these days. Understandable. Uh, well, Tides of Time isn't just a civilization game. It's also what's sometimes called a micro game. What do you think of these micro games like Love Letter and Coup? Do you play them a lot? Yes, I, I, I remember the day when we, when I discovered Love Letter from Seji Kanai, and it was like mm-hmm. eye opening that, as you mentioned before, I'm a designer known for these big, big, big games like Robinson Crusoe and Stronghold, and seeing the game that consists of only 16 or 18 cards and still being so fun, it was for me like mind blowing. So I'm a huge fan. I'm a huge fan of Seji Kanai. I met this guy in Essen. I have the honor to have some autographs from him on, on his games. So for me, it's a masterpiece to be able to design interesting, uh, full of choices, meaningful choices, a game that consists of only a few elements, like Love Letter, like Tides of Time, like many other great games. Are there any things that you dislike about micro games? Do you ever find that you, you miss the larger, more involved elements? No, of course, uh, they offer me a kind of feeling, a kind of experience different from the big games. So of course, I don't mm. uh, schedule the whole evening to play only micro games for 20 times in a row. Uh, but on the other hand, when we have only a couple of minutes or when we are at the airport or when we are in the travel, these micro games are amazing uh, choice. So you have only a couple of minutes and just pull off this game and have time. 
uh, to play it. Uh, is a new genre, but actually Love Letter is a, is a quite a new game on the market, like it's only a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And it began the whole trend of uh, micro games with the economic games like Sales to India, uh, with this uh, Love Letter, this is the deduction game with a coup, of course, very well known, and many, many others. So it started the whole trend, and I have many of these games at home, and I really appreciate these designs. Now, Tides of Time is a drafting game. We've talked about drafting games before on the show, games like Seven Wonders or Sushi Go, where players have a hand of cards. They pick one to keep, and they pass the rest to their neighbor, and then pick and pass again until all the cards have been taken. But those games really work best with at least three or four players, uh, whereas Tides of Time is for two players only. And that means that it's different in a number of ways. Can you tell us a little bit about how to play Tides of Time? Yeah, so this game is a drafting game. You have five cards. You keep one card. And you pass the hand to the opponent. You choose then from the four cards. You keep one card. You pass the count to the opponent. And then after these five uh, rounds of drafting, you have five cards in front of you. And each of these cards tells you exactly how it will score now. So each of these cards have a scoring information. Each of the cards in the game has a suit. You can be, the suit can be castle. The suit can be the garden. The suit can be a temple. And then having these five cards in front of you, you just read the instruction on the card, and the card may say, for example, for each garden you have in front of you, you gain three victory points. Or the card may say, if you have more temples than your opponent, you get seven points, etc., etc. What's brilliant this game, what what I loved from the very beginning, is a drafting game for the two players, as you mentioned. So actually, we are not mm-hmm. uh, passing the cards to somebody else on our left side, but we are passing them to the opponent, and he is passing his cards to, to us, and it's face-to-face combat, it's face-to-face challenge. We both know what's going on, and we just want to outsmart the, the other person. It really seems like a, a very unique and different challenge to designing this for two players. In a uh, One of the things about a drafting game is that uh, typically you play it with more people, which means that when you pass those cards around, there are always going to be at least a couple of them that won't be there when you get the pack back again. And uh, in Tides of Time, everything that you pass over you're going to see again, except for just one card. Uh, how did that play into the uh, the design of these uh, of what the cards do and how they score and how the suits work together? Was 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 it uh, I mean, what 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 process had to be gone through to make it so that this would work with such a different drafting dynamic with two players instead of a group? Yeah, so this is very interesting stuff. We are writing about these articles on our website, so I encourage you to visit portalgames.pl and find the article about Tides of Time, because this is very interesting stuff. On one hand, you have this plenty of very simple cards that say for each symbol of that, you have three victory points. If you have more symbols than opponent, you have seven points. But besides that, you have a couple of cards that shake a box, that make a twist, that makes you bet on things that you will have at the end of the round. That card that says, if you have, if you scored the most on one single card, you will get victory points. You actually don't know drafting this card if you will have scoring most from the one single card or no. Or if you have more cards with only one single type, you will get victory points. If you don't, you will not. So we made players to bet what will happen in the final, final round. What final card will be in front of you. And this, Little twist, there's a five of these cards that make this twist, make this game incredible. Because in the moment of taking this card, of drafting this card and taking for you, you don't know the outcome of the game yet. So you have to bet if you manage to fulfill the uh, discard. 
And some of these bets can be very risky, like uh, the Maze of the Damned here, which gives you 13 points, needs you to have one card in every suit, or it's worth nothing. Yeah, so and this is very interesting. Let, let me tell you, because um, if you draft this card, you show it to the opponent. So your opponent knows now, now that if he lets you have all of the suits, you will get 13 points. And now the combat starts. Yes? Because he tries to sabotage you and he tries to steal you these suits and you try to draft them anyway. Yes? So this is exactly face-to-face combat who will outsmart who. And similarly, if you wind up sitting there with... Uh one card of each color except a green one because this thing of the maze of the damned itself is green then your opponent will be terrified to pass it to you and will have no choice but to keep it for themselves unless they just want to give you 13 points this this is the famous on the every commission we make fun of that because it's a famous hate draft i don't want this card <laughs> but i don't want this card for you either so i take it even <laughs> i don't need it uh yeah this is a tough choice yes, you have to to make choices the art on these cards is really amazing. All 18 cards have different art, and because the cards are so big, you can you can really see how beautiful the art is. But five different artists for one game with only 18 cards seems like a lot. How did the art become such a hugely important part of this game's appeal when you were uh, putting it together for publication? Yeah, so for us, it was a very clear decision at the very beginning. We have only 18 cards, which is quite good number because in normal card games we have like 200 cards so we don't mm-hmm. need to order 200 pieces of artwork we only need to order 20 pieces of artwork so therefore we have a budget for a very expensive a very beautiful artwork and so we use the budget that we usually have for the card games and we spend it only on 18 cards so it is the best illustrated card game in the history of my company and probably no other card game that we will release ever <laughs> will have such expensive artwork. Uh, but yes, uh, each of these pieces would be uh, cover art for any board game that is released. So we paid a lot for this artwork, but it's amazing. We asked, we asked illustrators very precisely that we want the huge epic scenes that have men, uh, that matches the title of the game, Tides of Time, the buildings, the palaces, the garden that will survive for the years and years. And um, yes, uh, all of these artworks at some point were were my wallpapers on my desktop computer, and uh, I love every single piece <laughs> of that. Yeah. At uh, at what point in the design process was it decided that the cards should be larger than normal cards? At the very beginning. Uh, at the mm-hmm. very beginning, we've, if we de- when we decided that we are going for the big artwork, for the great artwork, we need the big, beautiful cards. And uh, yes, it was a very conscious decision that. We knew how we want this product to look like in the final, final, final result. For years now, your blog, Games That Tell Stories, has been exploring ways that a game can do just that. But usually, in order for a game to tell a compelling story, it needs to be quite a detailed game. What kind of story do you find that you get from a simple game like Tides of Time? Because of the amazing artwork we just we just talked uh, a minute mm-hmm. ago, I when I put these cards in front of me, when we I see this uh, amazing uh, landscape we are building, I can imagine that I'm building a huge civilization, the huge uh, counter, and because of the rules we haven't mentioned them yet, but after each round, uh, players can keep one of these cards in front of them and then start drafting again. So once again, these tides of time. Uh, f- team 
is in the game because you are keeping some of these cards in front of you so you are choosing which of these amazing wonders will stay in front of you and you are starting drafting again and uh, of course this is a on one hand is an abstract game this is a game about suits and set collection but on the other hand because of the artwork i believe that we added a lot of uh, amazing flavor in the game so your civilization sort of becomes about the cards that you keep from one round to the next. Yes. Those are the central things that make your little empire what it is. Yes, yeah, this, as we described it in the rulebook, these are these wonders that uh, survived even though the pass of time and even though the center is, is passed, this, these wonders stayed in front of you because they are so beautiful and so powerful. Hmm. Uh, we're very excited to hear about a sort of sequel to Tides of Time called Tentacles of Time, which brings in the lore of H.P. Lovecraft's Cthulhu mythos. We've talked about Lovecraft before on the Snakes cast, so um, I have to know, whose idea was it to take Tides of Time and add some ancient evil from beyond space and time? So we asked the designer if he is up to the second part of the game because the first edition, the first game is selling like crazy worldwide. It's very popular. It's getting some hours and nominations for hours and we want more of this, uh, of these games in the line. He said he's interested and then we did a brainstorming in, in the company and because of my roots of role-playing games. In in uh, my high school times, I pl- I was playing Call of Cthulhu like crazy every Friday. <laughs> and I'm a huge Lovecraftian fan. I have uh, all these all his books in a few editions with few versions of translation into Polish. And uh, this is this is my alley. This is what I love, the horror stories. So he, he suggested the designer if he would like to work on such a project. And he said yes. And then uh, we start working. He proposed uh, that uh, some of the powerful cars would be giving players a uh, madness and put players on the edge of being crazy. And we start working on that. And then now we have the game. Actually, we just changed the name and now it's not Tentacles of Time. It's Tides of Madness. So we make it into Tides <laughs> of Madness. Uh, that actually sounds like a Lovecraft title right there. Tides yes, of Madness. Yes. We like it a lot. So, um, tell us a little bit more about how tentacle, uh, sorry, how Tides of Madness will be different from the original game. You mentioned people going crazy. How does that work? So we are tempting players, uh, as in all horror stories should work. So the most powerful cards in the set, uh, give you a lot of powers, but give you also sanity. And uh, players during the game, during these rounds, will gather these madness tokens, these sanity tokens. And if you, at the end of the game, have more than eight of these tokens, you just got insane and you lose the game. So on one hand, you want to draft these powerful cards because they score you a lot of points and they are very powerful. And we are tempting players. Yes, take them. But if you take too many of them at the end of the game, if you have more of these eight tokens, you just lost no matter what, no matter how many sco- points you scored, you just got insane. And this is amazing. And we played as the game a lot. And it is so many, so many times it happens that players taking these cards because they, they want to win the game. And then in the final round, they say, Oh, shoot. I took too many of them. And they just <laughs> got insane. It's a very interesting twist because it gives you another layer of the game. So now we are on one hand, we have this basic layer of the game scoring, um, for set collection. And on the other hand, trying to survive and on one hand reading these occult books and uh, checking these powers of Lovecraftian mythos and uh, then trying to survive. 
it sounds like these two layers really build on each other as well. I mean, the original Tides of Time has that sort of risk of, oh, can I afford to keep this or can I afford to not keep it? And when you add this uh, this insanity business, it sounds like that's just more and more uh, tension. And, and, is, and, that, and that says, I, I don't know what I can afford to keep. And this is exactly what happens. Uh, uh, when I was at Niagara Falls this two weeks ago and played with uh, William Atia, who is designer of Kylos, and this guy knows the math and know how to calculate things. And he just drafted the way that I went insane because he was just draft giving me this, this very powerful card and he was very calm and he was not taking all these powerful cards. And just at some point I just got, got insane and I lost, uh, lots of different strategies and lots of uh, new layers on the game. So I'm super proud and I believe it will be amazing experience for players. Okay, so I have one mean question about this, and that's, I think, something a lot of people are going to ask. If you own one of these two games, do you need to own the other? So we are to, we are working and we are testing a very interesting variant to play for three players. So if you have two sets of the of these cards, um, you can oh, mix if you are, them. Oh, you own both games? Yes, you can combine yes, them? Yes, so we are we are working on that. It's not ready. We, we, we are in the contact with the designer. Uh, so he can suggest which, which cards to mix, but we will try to uh, come up with this um, a variant for players that you can play free play variant having all 36 cards. It is not yet announced, it is not yet ready, but it is our idea to uh, give players chance. If you have both of the boxes, you have additional value, you have a game for the three players. That'll wrap it up for this week. If you'd like to hear more interviews with game designers, tell us. Tweet it to us at SnakesCast or post it on the Snakes and Lattes Facebook page. Ignacy, it's been such a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Thank you. It was a pleasure. The SnakesCast is produced by P.T. Douglas. Music is provided by Ben Sound. The opinions expressed on the show belong to the people in it and not the company behind it. Thanks for listening, everyone. Game on. Game on.